0: Pretty cold out this week. Anybody cold? Yay, we're cold. Anyways., yeah, it's pretty cold out this week, uh, and I wasn't really prepared for the cold. Anybody else have a pipe burst at their house this week? No, yeah, yeah, I'm the only one. I figured I, that was going to be the way to go. Uh, yeah, we had a pipe burst this week. And it's a little inconvenient when you have your pipe, you know bust. Uh, we had no water pressure, so the water's off. That means no showers. I mean, we have, I've had a shower now, but, you know, at that point, couldn't take a shower, couldn't wash dishes, couldn't do the, the normal things. A little inconvenient, but, like, a night without water, a morning without water, a plumber comes out, a plumber bill, and everything's kind of back to normal. We're good. Uh, it's all repaired. But it's cold outside, and we shouldn't have had a busted pipe because we should have been a little more prepared, which all of you obviously were because you're not in the same boat. That's cool. But we should have been a little more prepared. We should have uh, maybe left some water dripping, right? Or unhooked the hoses from the hose bib uh, so that it doesn't freeze up in there and bust and cost me a lot of money, Um, right? We just weren't prepared. We had spent, over the holidays, we spent a lot of time away. I mean, we were in town, but we were with Claire's parents. Her sister and stuff was in town, so we spent a lot of nights away going to the lake and whatever. Kind of came back. I knew it's cold outside. I'm not, you know, that daft, but... I didn't know how cold it was supposed to be, and we just kind of went on about our business. It was warm in my house, I don't know what it is outside, and I uh, just kind of went about the business. I just, I don't check the weather, right? And once it's below like 50, it's just cold. So I don't know temperatures at that point. I don't check the weather that often on my phone. Uh, I just don't think about the weather, but, but I know the benefit of checking the weather, right? Like if you check the weather, if you've got the weather app on your phone, which I have, I just don't open it. Uh, if you check the weather, then you know how cold it is, and you don't leave the house without a jacket, right? And you, you leave some water dripping, maybe put on some thicker socks. By all means, you just take all the precautions necessary to not have the plumbing uh, pipes bust in your house, uh, for sure. You kind of just enter prepared for that. And so when you know the weather, when you know it's cold, when you're aware of your surroundings, and when you understand the reality of the setting that you're in, you kind of live a particular way. You grab a jacket, right? You, put, you let the water drip. So over the next several months, we will be, we're going to start walking through the book of Acts. Okay, so today's the first day. We're in chapter 1, verse 1 through 11. Uh, we're going to be walking through Acts for several months, uh, and we're kind of opening it up with this four-part series that we're calling Pentecost, and my hope is that as we walk through this book, uh, we'll become more aware of the weather, so to speak, right? We'll become, we'll become more aware of our surroundings, and we'll kind of better understand the reality of where we actually live, because if we can kind of see our setting more clearly, it'll cause us to live in a particular way. It'll cause us to live a life that's rooted in the gospel, that's toward community, that's on mission, right? If we're more, uh, if we have a better understanding and a clearer uh, understanding of the reality that's around us, it'll cause us to live a life that's rooted in the gospel, lived in community, and on mission together. And so that's what we want, and that's what we want to see as we go through this. And as we'll see over these first few weeks in this first series called Pentecost, and it's chapter 1 and 2 of Acts, Luke begins with setting the stage for the story to come. He starts setting the stage for the story to come. The story of how the, the kingdom of God, like, advanced from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But before he, like, dives into all that's going to happen, and before we get into all the, the story of the early days of the church, Luke begins by recalling Jesus risen and what Jesus preached about the kingdom. He recalls what Jesus commanded his disciples and what Jesus had promised. And what I hope that we'll see is that Luke leads us to see that the work of the apostles and the work of the early church and the advance of the early church all hinged on Pentecost. It all hinged on the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And the story of like how these first believers experienced the gift of the Holy Spirit hopefully uh, should lead us, it should lead us to wholly like lean into his presence, the presence of the Holy Spirit. Holy lean into the work of the Holy Spirit as we join in the mission to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. After all, it's all about it's all in the power of the Holy Spirit that our own hearts know Christ. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit that we experience the reality of Christ's life-giving reign in our own hearts. Right? And it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that the kingdom advances. And that's what we're going to see. Now, as for this morning, as we jump into Acts chapter 1, 1 through 11, uh, commentator Craig Keener says this. He says that the first two chapters of Acts provide a sort of like, theological prologue to the books of, book of Acts, but that the opening paragraphs introduce Luke's agenda most concisely. And that's precisely what I'd like to do this morning. Just concisely introduce the book of Acts. Uh, which will take us through the better part of, the, of this coming year. So we're going to start just by reading Acts 1, 1 through 11, and then we'll jump in a little bit. Acts 1, 1 through 11. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, Or to Israel. And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, Behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way that you saw him go into heaven. That's Acts 1, 1 through 11. Now, there's a lot of stuff that we could spend time on in Acts 1, 1 through 11. There's like a ton of things that we could unpack, and we will unpack a lot of that as we go through Acts, really, but while there's much more to talk about and there's much more to unpack here, there's just really three main things that we we see Luke emphasize here, and that we'll see him over and just like over and over and over again throughout the books of Acts begin to uh, to emphasize over the next several months, and it's these three things: the Holy Spirit makes Christ known. The Holy Spirit makes Christ known. The Holy Spirit makes the reign of Jesus over our hearts a reality. And the Holy Spirit advances the kingdom. So we're just going to take a look at those three things. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, makes Christ known. In 2012, I was hired at Redemption Church. But it wasn't Redemption Church then, it was The Well. uh, And we met down the street a little ways. And my very first Sunday at The Well... Uh, all the elders decided to go out of town on vacation or something, and they left me by myself, and I had to preach, right? So I was preaching, and then, like, if anything came up, it wasn't as hard as I, I want to make it sound, but anyways, I had to preach and uh, just kind of be there on my own. And uh, I, hadn't, I hadn't preached a lot, you know, at that point. I hadn't preached a lot. I hadn't, uh, and I, where I had preached was not at the well, and it was a totally different environment than the well or than Redemption Church. And uh, it also been a while, and I was in a different season of life, like a lot of things had happened with our own life. and Anyways, all that to say, I had to prepare this sermon, and I was terrified. I remember just being really terrified, Not like not about being in front of people. I was terrified that I would say the wrong thing or that I would be criticized or that everybody would wonder why they hired me in the first place because it was so incredibly bad, you know. Uh, So I was getting a little worried, getting pretty scared about it, and I just remember as I'm going through this, what I was preaching on is this first point, basically. I mean, I was preaching on a little more than that, but that the Holy Spirit makes Christ known. And one of my favorite parts about sermon prep is this part where, like, it just transforms me, like where it becomes personal, right, where I'm studying the Word and I'm praying through it, and it becomes personal. And there was this moment where I finally was like, I got a peace. Like, it's not on me, right? It's not on my skill set. It's not on my abilities. It's not on my power that Christ is going to be made known. It's on the power of the Holy Spirit. He's the one who makes Christ known. I just remember experiencing that peace, and I ended up writing out my whole message, which I still do now, and it was the first time I had ever done that, and then, uh, and then I started worrying that I wouldn't connect with people also, because I was going to be reading this thing, and maybe I didn't, but I had a real peace that no matter what, it was Holy Spirit who makes Christ known. It was He who was going to say the right words. It was Him who was going to let people hear the right things. Oops, Sorry. <laughs> Here in Acts 1, I think we see this, this truth uh, several times over. And we're going to see it again throughout the book of Acts. But, but look at Acts 1, 6. After the resurrection of Jesus and before his ascension, the disciples start asking this question. Will you now restore the kingdom to Israel? Right? Jesus has just spent years with them, teaching them about the kingdom of God that he's ushering in. Like we spent all this time in Matthew just not that long ago, right? We spent all this time in Matthew. Jesus is teaching them about the kingdom that he's bringing in. Jesus has made it clear that what he's doing is much bigger and much more expansive than simply restoring earthly power to Israel. He himself is king, and he's ushering in a kingdom where he reigns over and above all earthly kingdoms and for all people. And the disciples, like, still don't get it, right? But then Jesus says this in verse 8. You will receive power, and another word for power there is ability. You will receive power, you will receive ability, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. In other words, Jesus is saying, you don't get who I am, at, who I am yet. I mean, you've seen some pretty neat stuff. You've seen me come back from the grave, and you're bought in, you're following me, but you still don't fully get it. But when the Spirit comes... He'll give you firsthand knowledge of the actual reality of who I am, and you'll be my witnesses. You will be able to give testimony to who I am. And the, the disciples still didn't understand who Jesus was, but when the Spirit came, they did, which we'll see in a couple of weeks. And, and This is the thing that I want us to see this morning as we begin to dig in over these weeks and months, is that the Holy Spirit is who makes Christ known. It's the Holy Spirit who makes Him known. So it's not... My ability and my power and my strength to be able to preach the gospel, it's not on your ability and your power and your eloquence as you go from this place and share the gospel with others. It's not based on that. It's the Holy Spirit that changes hearts, right? It's the Holy Spirit that makes Christ known. Certainly we go with the gospel on our lips, but it's the Holy Spirit that actually makes Christ known and makes us witnesses. Not just witnesses as in we'll hand out tracts. Witnesses like we know who he is because we've experienced who Christ is. It's the Holy Spirit who makes Christ known. The second main thing that I, like, that I think Luke emphasizes is that the Holy Spirit makes the reign of Jesus as king over our hearts a reality. We don't have to spend a lot of time on this point because it's very connected to the first point that the Holy Spirit makes Christ known. But the disciples, the disciples with Jesus still had hearts dedicated, like, to blessing Israel. Like, we see that in that question they ask. Like, is it going to be time? Is this the time where you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? The disciples with Jesus still had a heart dedicated to blessing Israel and not the nations. It's, in my opinion, like, one of the greatest misunderstandings of Israel throughout their, their history and throughout the Old Testament that we see. Like, while God had chosen them and that he loved them and that he was... They were his people. They were always meant to be a priesthood, to, like, take and share the goodness of God and the glory of God with the nations. That's what he chose them for. But they could never get past the needing and the desire to be, like, on top, to, like, take that that privilege or that chosen title upon themselves and make it for themselves and keep them on top. I think, like, as we look through the Old Testament even and through the story of Israel, Israel seems fine with blessing the nations so long as they were bowed to the power of Israel, right? And unfortunately, I think this is still prevalent today, like in American Christianity. Like many Christians, and like I've experienced this myself, I think would almost rejoice at the idea of killing whole nations, like in the Middle East or North Korea at the moment. There are people we'd rather bomb than send aid to when it's needed. It's like we're, in American Christianity, we're fine with blessing others as long as they, like, kiss the ring, as long as they pledge to the flag, as long as they put America on top and keep us above all things. But I think it's misplaced fear that does that. I think it's misplaced fear that did it with, that Israel had. Israel feared the nations. But think about that. Israel feared the nations, but their God, our God literally parted a sea for them to escape Egypt, right? Like they might look like they have, they have horses, they have chariots, but we will trust in the name of our Lord. But Israel over and over and over again feared the nations above fearing God. They lorded their chosenness over the world, never really looking out, uh, and it, you know, just not looking out for the nations, but looking out for themselves first, and it never really worked out for them because it's not who they were called to be. They were called to be a priesthood. And it won't, it won't work for us either. Because that's not what Christ is about. So the disciples, like at this point in the story, they still have hearts that are longing to be rulers rather than to have hearts that are ruled. That's what I want us to see. They're still having, they still have hearts that are longing to be rulers rather than to have hearts that are ruled. They're still longing for a kingdom that would be served over the kingdom. That would be that would be served over being a kingdom that serves, and I think we want the same thing, like not just America, like as a nation, but we all want that, right? Like earthly powers, earthly kingdoms, our idols will always be at work to keep people out and to keep people below us, but a heavenly kingdom is always expanding. It's always expanding to bring more people in and to exalt them as heirs with Christ. Right? An earthly kingdom keeps people down, and the heavenly kingdom lifts people up with Christ. That's what we would do. That's what, the Israel, that's what the Hebrew people did. But the Holy Spirit, and this is the point, but the Holy Spirit makes the reign of Jesus over our hearts a reality. He changes our hearts. He shows us who Christ is, and when we see who Christ is, it changes our hearts and gives the reign of, the reign of our hearts to Christ, Right? Because he makes Christ known and he opens the eyes of our hearts to understand the truly good news of going last and of living a life that's given. And I think we'll see that it's evidenced throughout Acts. It's foreshadowed here in Acts 1. The Holy Spirit Spirit makes them witnesses, right? The Holy Spirit changes their allegiance from Israel to Jesus. And the Holy Spirit could change our allegiance from America or whatever it is to Jesus first and foremost. He can take our allegiance from whatever idols we have on top and change it over to Jesus and give Jesus the reign of our hearts. It's the Holy Spirit that does that work. We see that he does that work in this passage because we know in advance here that the disciples didn't go on through the books of Acts, go on through the book of Acts, to Jerusalem, and to Judea, and to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, waving an Israelite flag, or waving a flag for their Hebrew nation, they went spreading the fame of Jesus. That's who had their hearts. That's who had the allegiance of their hearts over all things. They didn't go spreading the nation. They went spreading the fame of Jesus. Their hearts were changed when the Spirit had come upon them. The Holy Spirit makes the reign of Jesus over our hearts a reality. And this is the last point. It's also still connected. The Holy Spirit advances the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit advances the kingdom of God. And he does it through us. These are the last words of Jesus while physically on earth before he ascended in in verse 8. Be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Those are Jesus' last words before he ascended into heaven. And so it's, it's calculated. He knows what he's doing. They, they have a weight to them because they're his last words. It's the last thing that he said physically to the disciples. And such calculated last words weigh heavy. They must be important, right? But he didn't just tell them to go, did he? Like, if you look back in verse 4, Acts 1, verse 4, Jesus ordered them to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you hear from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. It all hinges on Pentecost. It all hinges on the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It all hinges on the work of the Holy Spirit. If it is the Spirit who makes Christ known, and the Spirit who makes the reign of Christ a reality in our hearts, like who makes our hearts allegiance towards Him, it's the Spirit who then will advance the kingdom through us to others, leading people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus. He's the one that's going to do that work. So where is this all going? This is by way of introduction to our, 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 uh, our very long series. Where is it all going? Like I said at the beginning, like my hope is that as we walk through this book, we'll become more aware of our surroundings, that we'll understand better the reality that we actually live in. And, and it's not like, what I want us to see is that the reality isn't that anything hinges on us, like it hinges on the Holy Spirit and He's here. And He's in you, and He indwells you, and He's working through you to make Christ known to your own heart, to make Christ known to others, to make Christ known to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit is here, and He's doing that work. And if we don't realize that reality, then we won't operate in it. Like If you know just how truly cold it is outside, you'll grab a jacket, you'll leave the water dripping, you'll unhook your garden hose. And if you know that the Holy Spirit is real and that he's at work in and through you and in and through us and like making Christ known and that he's advancing the kingdom of God, then you'll consciously lean into him and you'll go tell people about Jesus. We, if we really believe that the Holy Spirit is real and that he's the one at work and that he's the one who makes Christ known and that he's changing hearts and he's advancing the gospel, then we'll, we together will consciously Lean into the work of the Holy Spirit and go and tell people about Jesus because we will know that it's not all on our own and it doesn't, it's not by our own power. And what I want to see, what we'll see as we go through the book of Acts also is that this is a book about reaching unreached people. This is a book about reaching unreached people by the power of the Holy Spirit. Even Jesus in verse 2 gives commands through the Holy Spirit. And so we see that as I, I read this somewhere and I couldn't find the reference, but it says all Christian ministry depends on the activity of the Spirit in ministry and in the ones ministered to. Does that make sense? All Christian ministry, all the ministry that we do, depends on the Spirit in our doing and in the receiving of. It's all the Spirit at work. So we don't decide... If we live in this reality, we don't decide whether to go on mission or whether to stay because of our own perceived abilities and our own strengths. We don't decide whether to proclaim the gospel to somebody or not proclaim the gospel to somebody based on our own abilities and strengths and power. We go and we proclaim the gospel because Jesus said to and because we've been made a witness by the Spirit, because we've been made a witness, like we've experienced Christ and we know how good He is. And the gospel is continuing to be proclaimed to the unreached places in our hearts. And he has rule over our lives as we increasingly submit all of our lives to the empowering presence and lordship of Jesus Christ. We go because he said. We go because we've been made witnesses. And we go in faith knowing that the Holy Spirit will do the work of opening the hearts of others to hear the good news. It's a pretty short message. It's an introduction. And I just want to give us a little something to leave with from verse 9 through 11. After he said these things, right? After he said that the Holy Spirit's going to come and you're going to have power to be my witnesses and you're going to go through Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the earth, he says this, verse 9 and 11. It says this. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This, is, this Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. I just kind of like that question. Why do you stand around looking up? He's coming back. We just spent all of Christmas talking about that, and Advent season, that he's come, that he's with us, and that he's coming again. Don't stand around looking, he's coming back. Go, go do what he said to do. So today, and like throughout this year, we talked a little bit about this last week, about walking towards outsiders and praying continually as a church this year. As we kind of introduce Acts, and as we begin walking through this book, and seeing how the Holy Spirit advanced the kingdom in those early days of the church. My hope is that we lean into his work. Like we just kind of like take a moment from this first chapter and this first passage like to posture ourselves together toward mission. To posture ourselves like leaning into the Holy Spirit and to his work. Like let's lean into the Spirit together continually praying together there's several items in the bulletin they'll be there all week, and, I mean all year we want you to continue to pray with us as we pray for uh, downtown and we pray for missionaries and we pray for things at Redemption Church pray continually together leaning into the spirit and increasingly submitting all of life to his lordship and I want us to posture ourselves as walking toward outsiders this is a book about Reaching unreached people by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's walk towards outsiders. And I want us to remember the promises of our King and Lord Jesus Christ. That he's with us and that he's coming back. So we don't have to stand around waiting and looking. We can go do what he said he would do. Go do what he told us to do. Because he's doing the work that he said he would do. And we're invited along. We're going to move into a time of response uh, as we do each week. And uh, in this time, the band will come, and they'll lead us in worship. It's a time for you to pray. It's a time for you to worship together. It's a time for you to reflect. Uh, we'll also take tithes and offerings. We just have a basket in the back where you can drop those as we worship. And then also, every week, we come down this aisle, and we go either way, and you take the bread, and you dip it in the wine or the juice as we take communion. And, and this is a, a reminder. We remind each other and proclaim to one another, one another the good news of Jesus Christ that he is who he says he is, that he's done what he said he would do, right? And we keep Jesus Christ exalted and pro- as we proclaim, proclaim him to one another. And so if you're a Christian, whether you're a member of this church or not, we invite you to come and take. Uh, if you're not a Christian and you don't believe that, then just don't come. We, we ask you not to come because we don't want you to say things that you don't believe. Instead, we, would, we want you to hear, like, this is the good news of the gospel. Jesus Christ is God. And he has come, and he's with us, and he's coming again. And he's making us, like bringing us along in the work of restoration that he's doing, and he's reconciling all things to himself and to uh, each other. And so you're invited in on that. You're invited in on that life, and we want you to hear about Jesus. So uh, hear what we're saying as we take the bread and dip it in the wine and juice and take it. And if you uh, would like to talk to somebody about taking Jesus as your Lord... And Savior, we're available for prayer in the back. Grab somebody to pray with. We'd love to pray with you and talk with you. Would you uh, pray with me? Our Father, we uh, just thank you so much for Jesus. And I thank you so much for the Holy Spirit who's done a work in our hearts to, to make us even to to see what a great gift Jesus is for us. And, and even still, I don't, I don't and I don't think any of us know just how great a gift we've been given through Christ. But your Holy Spirit just continues to minister to our hearts, continues to sanctify us and making us more like Jesus and making us know more about Jesus and about how he wants to be our friend forever. I thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit in my life and in the lives of your people here at Redemption Church, that you've made yourself known to us as our Father, that we know we are sons and daughters of God and brothers and sisters together through Christ. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just do a work in binding us together in unity so that this body would lean into the Holy Spirit together as we posture ourselves on mission and allow you to do the work of advancing the gospel in our city.